John, I'm glad we have clarity. Because the Rams' defense stopped the Bengals on the last drive, it became quite obvious that the Vikings made the right hire and that Kevin O'Connell's a genius. That's how this works. Super Bowl winning uh, coach. I mean, it, yeah. the, the credentials are you know unimpeachable at this point. I think so. Yes, they home run. It was absolutely the right choice. It's nice to have that kind of off of our shoulders now. We don't have to worry about that anymore. They got the right guy. He won the Super Bowl. All is right with the world. And he won a Super Bowl with a franchise that had never won the Super Bowl before. So obviously setting a precedent that will be followed in Minnesota. Very, it'll be, I think, very uh, Theo Epstein-like. You know, he goes, he does it with Boston, um, you know, and repairs that franchise, then goes to the Cubs, repairs that. So I think the Vikings are getting their version of Theo Epstein with uh, Kevin O'Connell. No question about it. We expect sometime this week, Kevin O'Connell will fly to Minnesota for his introductory press conference. This is the Viking Update Show. We will be telling you about that press conference after it happens. But we're talking today, Monday morning, following the Super Bowl, before Kevin O'Connell's press conference. So we're going to break down the game, O'Connell, his potential coaching staff, what the Vikings have been doing, what the Vikings might be doing, and, of course, the halftime show. And I'm serious about that. I want to talk about the halftime show and the commercials. We'll, we'll say that for a little bit later in the show. Uh, Viking Update Show is part of the TalkNorth.com podcast network. We recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It is easy. You can always go and find all of our shows and the archives for each show at TalkNorth.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. See the shows as they are released and get information about our live shows. Uh, John Krasinski's John Krasinski Show, uh, which is our Timberwolves show, we do live at Tuttles. We're hoping to set up a couple dates in March. Come visit us out there, Tuttles and Hopkins, when we get you that information. And thanks to our sponsors, Starbank, State Farm Agent Tony Hoagland, and Aquarius Home Services. Uh, it, it's really hard to figure out exactly what role O'Connell played. You know, he's a, an assistant under a guy who calls his own plays. This is kind of an offensive guru. It is a pretty good sign, though, that, and we've talked about it before, but to reiterate, it is a pretty good sign that the Sean McVay coaching tree seems to produce pretty good coaches. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you, you, you never know if O'Connell's going to be the first one, to, you know, to stub his toe or whatever. I mean, we, we can, I guess, debate a little bit about Brandon Staley, but I think he's a good coach. So, um, uh, but I, I think that coaches from you know, incubators that like the Rams, like it's clear that Sean McVay really runs a modern system there, not just on the field, but in the locker room, in, you know, in the practice facility, like all of those things. I think like that means something to what the Vikings want here. They wanted to kind of really have an about face. They wanted to go into the, the more modern approach to coaching and leadership. And that is ultimately why they chose Kevin O'Connell over, Jim Harbaugh, who is a little more unilateral, a little more or old school, just a little bit of a different kind of a cat. So I think that from that aspect of it, it makes a lot of sense because this is what the Vikings decided they wanted. I think this is what they are getting. I did think it was kind of funny, Jim, like during the game while the Rams offense was struggling a little bit, you know, we were getting I was seeing stuff on Twitter of, oh, Great, great hire by the Vikings. This offensive player can't get the can't get the offense going. But then it's the same people who probably said, um, you know, went right after he was hired. 
well, he never called plays. So what right. does he even know? So like, what are we criticizing here? Either A, that he doesn't have the authority or B, that he has too much input on, on an offense that is struggling. But um, I think overall, for me, what was important in making the hire is finding a leader of men. And did it, I didn't think it was necessarily kind of the, the, the biggest thing that they are a whiz kid from X's and O's. And maybe O'Connell is. We just don't, we don't really know. But he is now coming from a system that has produced really good coaches. Most of those coaches have had elite quarterbacks. So we'll see how that plays out here and, and if there's some differences that way. But I just, I do like the track record. I think that the sample size is getting larger and it at least gives you some sort of reason to say, hey, you know, this guy is coming from a place and he should have learned on the job and at least, you know, kind of have the approach part of it down. And we'll see if all of the other things fall into place. Yeah, I, I said it during the coaching hiring process. I'll say it again now. I never wanted to get into the mindset that, you ha- oh, you have to hire an offensive coach or you have to hire a young coach. Yeah, I think you need to find somebody who can find a way, who can be a leader, who can augment uh, a staff to fill his blind spots and his weaknesses. And, you know, listen, if they had hired a defensive coach, I would not have complained. It, it's probably convenient to hire an offensive coach. But let's remember here, this team was terrible defensively last year. And Ed Donatel might have every bit as much to do with this next year's success as Kevin O'Connell. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like that was one thing that I thought Mike Zimmer, well, now we can obviously debate about especially later in his tenure, how the handling of the offensive coordinator position went. But when he first arrived to bring in North Turner, I mean, that was a very, very smart hire because he knew where Zimmer knew where his priorities were going to be. And he knew he needed someone who had been a head coach who was extremely experienced that could sort of run the offense on his own. And I think that's a very good model for Kevin O'Connell to follow. So Ed Donatel, incredibly experienced, comes from the Vic Fangio tree um, uh, of defensive minds, very highly thought of, and is a guy that has seen quite a bit in his te- in his time in the NFL. And so to have someone with that sort of experience. Um, and and a, and a track record of success. And then there's talk, I think, about adding Mike Pettin too. Um, you know, like getting those kind of experienced people on that side of the ball to hopefully mean that O'Connell is going to be more of a delegator, especially defensively. Um, I, I have no issue with that. I think that you know, having more of a CEO approach, uh, I think, can work in this league. And so... Um, you know, that's going to be important. It will be interesting, though, to see now what he does in terms of how he sort of runs the offense. Like, is he going to be the head coach that calls plays? Like, does, is, does he want to do that? Or is he going to be overseeing it and then having his offensive coordinator call plays and, and do things that way? So that's another kind of big domino to fall in terms of trying to figure out exactly how Kevin O'Connell is going to run things here. It'll also be fascinating to see if O'Connell tries to raid the Rams staff, bring anybody. We uh, Maybe you know. Uh, I'm not sure who the offensive coordinator is going to be. Do you have any clues to who that might be? 
Um, I thought I saw some chatter about it um, as there was there was a a um, there. I'm trying to just look at it right now, but there was sure. a, uh, um, a a report. Yes, yes. So uh, Schefter reported this weekend that um, a guy named Wes Phillips is expected to join as a tight ends coach and as a passing game coordinator. Um, so exactly how that fits in terms of the hierarchy of the coaching staff, I'm not sure if he's going to have a run game coordinator too then, or, um, but it says Phillips is expected to be the offensive coordinator or the passing game coordinator on O'Connell's first staff with the NFC North team. So he was the Rams tight end coach. So he would be coming from that Rams staff and elevating uh, to a little bit of a higher plane, but it, it's a little bit uh, vague about, is this guy the offensive coordinator? Is he just the passing game coordinator? But that appears to be at least one name that has emerged in connection with his uh, with his staff on the offensive side of the ball. And I think what we do know is that Keenan McCardell is going to stay as the wide receivers coach, very yes. popular in the receivers room, and that Andre Patterson, longtime fixture on this coaching staff, somebody who would really set roots in the Twin Cities, adopted a, a child from here, is going to go to the New York Giants defensive line coach. I, I really wish they had kept Andre Patterson, but I also understand that at some point, if you're changing over staffs, there will be wholesale changes. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you can expect changes. Um, I Yeah, I, I, was in, I was with you, Jim. I thought that Andre Patterson – you know, would be an asset to to this staff in terms of a guy with a ton of credibility inside that locker room with with the defensive players. I think even with his leadership, um, and so you know, I kind of wondered if Patterson would get a defensive coordinator job somewhere, um, but he ended up just taking a, a defensive line job with the with the Giants, and so you know, either a lateral, even a slight or a step back, certainly from the from the position that he has that Kevin O'Connell wanted to run a certain defense, wanted to work with Ed Donatel um, to, to put that in. And so maybe did not feel like asking Andre Patterson to take a demotion from associate head coach and defensive coordinator to, to coaching a position group was the right way to go for, for a guy as respected as that. That's just a guess on my part, but uh, it would have been nice to have him stick around for sure. Yeah, I, I was hoping for that. And uh, Daniil Hunter, of course, tweeted out a photo of him hugging Andre Patterson. It, it, it will be a loss for the organization. Um, and and it's kind of sad because I know he really wanted – I mean, he's a twin. He lives here now. He's not just – you know, a lot of coaches are transient. And they live elsewhere and they just kind of get right. in and out of town when they want. Uh, Andre Patterson, Patterson is a fixture here. And I really hope he'd stay. But, you know, there change is inevitable in, in sports. So I'm not going to belabor the point. Uh what do you want to hear? Actually, I'm going to thank our sponsors. Then I'm going to ask John what he wants to hear from O'Connell when O'Connell does give that introductory press conference. Let's go ahead and, and thank Star Bank. Uh, have you tried to call your bank lately? Do you bank locally? Star Bank is our bank at the Talk North Podcast Network. They're a family-owned local bank with branches across central and west central Minnesota. With Star Bank, you get all the bells and whistles you would expect from a bank these days, but they have no 800 number, no call center, and no confusing phone queue. You can even request your banker's cell phone number. That's how they operate. Star Bank is a true Minnesota family-run business. Check them out at starbank.net. Star Bank is a member, FDIC, 
an equal housing lender. Thanks also to my State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland, H-O-A-G-L-U-N-D. This is your State Farm agent, Tony Hoagland. For the year of 2022, we will be donating $10 to the University of Minnesota Children's Masonics Hospital for everyone that calls our office or checks in with us online and mentions that they heard about us on Talk North. You can reach us at 763-421-4900. You can find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. Again, 763 763- 421-4900 or find us on the web at champlininsurance.com. And we'd like to thank Aquarius Home Services sponsoring numerous shows across the talknorth.com platform, including some of our outdoor con- uh, content like The Flush and Destination Polaris. We have great outdoor shows. Hey, it's Russo over at the Worst Seats in the House podcast. Did you know that Aquarius Home Services is your one-stop shop for all your home service needs? That's right. Aquarius Home Services is your complete home service provider dedicated to providing the highest quality water treatment, plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical services. They pride themselves on providing superior five-star quality service. They respect you, your time, and your home with attention to details that really make a difference. If you or anyone you know have questions or concerns about your water, heating, and cooling, plumbing, or electrical, Aquarius Home Services is here to help. Visit AquariusHomeServices.com for more details, and don't forget to mention Russo sent you. So what do you want to hear from Kevin O'Connell when he does speak to us? Well, I mean, I just I, I want to like on like this sounds weird, but like I, wa- I just want to see him in that spot. Um, you know, we, I've been able to watch some of the offensive coordinator uh, interviews that he did or press conferences that he did in the Super Bowl. Prior to that, I, I got to be honest, like I had no I, I wouldn't know what his voice sounded like. I wouldn't know anything about how he he went about things so much. It's 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 very much um, similar to Quasi in a way like. A lot of these press conferences, you know, you, you don't really you're not expecting a candidate to come in and like tell him tell you every single thing he is going to do, um, and, you know, be ultra specific in the changes. He's going to come in and 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 there's going to be some platitudes. There's going to be some cliches. There's going to be you know some things of that nature. That's what an introductory press conference inevitably becomes. But I just want to see like the way that he carries himself, like what what is important to him in terms of his underlying themes that he's hitting on in a press conference and my guess is that there will be some talk of you know communication transparency like those types of things and sometimes those are buzzwords to 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 people and like they kind of nails on a chalkboard but i mean you know, th- that's what I'm expecting to see from it. I, I want to see just kind of what he has as far as a command of the room. I thought Quasi Adolfo Mensa was very impressive in terms of those types of qualities. And you could kind of really see why the Will family and Andrew Miller and, and all the people kind of involved in the hiring process were really drawn to him and believe that he had sort of a presence that could be effective in this role. And I think, I'm just me looking for presence from Kevin O'Connell. I want to see, you know, um, a young guy kind of stepping into a role and on a team with some some very kind of headstrong veterans and try and imagine how he's going to go about getting them to buy into what he wants to do and and holding them accountable and and uh, you know trying to lift them up. Like that's that's going to be it. I'd be surprised if he really kind of dives in too much into you know, who he's hiring or, you know, what his plans are for Kirk Cousins, all those things. Like, it would be great if he came out and said, you know, Kirk Cousins, we're going to trade him or, or he's my quarterback or whatever. But 
Um, all of that is going to be kind of platitudes for now until we kind of see him on the field and coaching and and really judge that part of it. So let's just see what kind of a a guy that he is, what kind of a you know uh, of a presence that he has, and and see if you can walk out of there thinking, okay, I see I see what appealed here, and I see you know which way he can go with this thing. Yeah, and we could talk about a lot of the speculation surrounding Cousins. It sounds like the NFL insiders are all saying they're probably going to extend him. We'll, we'll table that discussion because we're going to be talking about Cousins for a long time mm-hmm. uh, going forward here. I want to get to what you were talking about, which is personality. What I do like about these hires, if if all the things we heard about O'Connell were true, if our first impression of Quasi Odofa Mensa is accurate, these are seem to be pretty likable people. Uh, it's pretty down-to-earth, uh, conversational people. And I do like it anytime the NFL seems to be moving away from the Bill Belichick model that you have to be a jerk, you have to be a kind of authoritarian figure to win in this league because it's not always true. You know, uh, there, have been, there have been nice people who have won the Super Bowl. There have been nice people who have gone to the Hall of Fame as coaches. So I do like it when we have the possibility that the people in charge might actually act like normal human beings instead of dictators. I, I couldn't agree more. We just saw one who won the Super Bowl, Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. Like he is an approachable uh, human being. Like, uh, And that's a Rams organization also where you do see the GM, Les Snead, quoted not all the time, but regularly in stories throughout the, throughout the course of a season. He is available and accessible and – that is something that I am very much hoping that the Vikings adopt in terms of just being out there and being more of a presence um, in the media. And, um, you know, it, it, I, I think that it's easy for me to see why the NFL takes for granted the its popularity. Look, it is a juggernaut. Like you could they they could never do an interview um with anyone for an entire season probably and still be incredibly popular and the fans would still love it and a million millions and millions of people would still watch the Super Bowl. But I just think that there is a an honor in the people who work for these organizations who you know, kind of get so much support from fans to the ones who understand, hey, we got to open our doors to these people a little bit. We got to let them in from an access standpoint and give them stories that allow them to connect with us on a different level. And uh, the Rams are a team that do, that that does that. If you follow the coverage of them, you know, they, they, they are, they have these voices and their players do big one-on-one interviews and like they see the importance of kind of telling their stories and connecting on a higher level than just we show up and play and then go home and you'll be thankful for that. And so I'm hopeful that Quasi does that. I'm hopeful that Kevin O'Connell brings that kind of transparency to his coaching staff. And, um, I will say that the Vikings, you know, uh, I, I, in my experience, uh, the Vikings were very good about if you wanted to talk to an uh, assistant coach, if you wanted to get insight from them on some some development or some story you're working on, they were good about setting those things up and letting that happen. But I think from an overall sort of just kind of touch point standpoint um, that 
getting people in who want everyone to be a part of the thing in 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 the operation that's going to be important that's what the vikings wanted there was a lot of people who felt very alienated a lot of people who really did not enjoy coming to work uh at at tco performance center under the old regime and i think that there are some steps that are being taken to kind of bring people in who are going to change that now as i said kind of you know when we were covering the timberwolves and ryan saunders you know when when they went that way like now it's a, it will be incumbent in, in part on the employees, on the players, on the on the staff members and stuff. Like, okay, now it looks like you're going to get guys who are a, easier to work for, quote unquote, who um, like to kind of keep everyone included. Now it's your now it's your job to deliver and and to kind of show that this is the way to go. Because I do agree with you, Jim. I think that you do not have to be a dictator to win in this league. And the more people that do win in this league with with that kind of approach, I think it's better for everyone involved. And so you kind of you want to see exactly how Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adolfo Mensa really uh, kind of put that to practice with their own leadership style. And, you know, and, and you probably hope to see the Vikings take a big bump because of it, because that would just validate this approach instead of having people kind of look down their noses and say, Oh, you know, millennials and connection and all this stuff. Just go win some games. Well, you can do both. I think you can do both. Yeah, well said. Last note on this topic before we get more into the Super Bowl and the halftime show and the commercials is uh, sometimes when media people talk about access, it's very, you know, it's very uh, self-referential. It's uh, it's selfish in a way. It's, hey, give me what I want, you know. But sometimes when we talk about access and attitudes, uh, we're talking about an organization's view of the out, the world outside its walls. And I think you can get way too paranoid and way too cloistered and way too, uh, you know, you can act, you can treat sports way too much like they're, if this is the CIA and we're dealing with espionage. It's, you know, mo- most of the stuff we're talking about is just kind of being normal human beings. And as you said, you can be a normal human being and win this league. It has been proven. Uh, so, before we get to the, we're going to get a little more Super Bowl talk, but I'm really interested. You're younger than I am. I think you have slightly, I think our musical tastes overlap, but whereas I, you know, I'm very much in the old school classic rock uh, genre, even though I hate that phrase, I can't think of a better one for it. I think you also skew a little younger and a little more diverse in some of your musical tastes. So what did you think of the halftime show? And by the way, I hope you recorded it for me because I saw tweets yesterday about sexual anarchy and <laughs> I can't find it. I, I want some sexual anarchy and I can't find it. So I'm hoping you record it and I come over and watch it later. No one would have been happier to see sexual anarchy than me, Jim. Absolutely. I did not see that part of it in the show. I was looking for it. Absolutely. I was, my arms were open for it, but I was let down in that regard uh, and everything else though. This was like, you know, the Venn diagram, I was right in the middle of it. Like this, this is, this was the music that was taking the world by storm when I was in high school, when I was just, you know, entering college. And this was the soundtrack of, of my youth a lot. I mean, I absolutely loved, you know, the, the Bruce Springsteen's, the you know, ACDC's, like all of that stuff that came, that came with it, uh, you know, when I was younger and, and, and the rock side of things, but I was very much kind of 
you know, in the middle of like the hip hop revolution. So to have those songs, uh, you know, with Dre and Eminem and, and Mary J and, and 50 Cent and um, Snoop and, and then Kendrick Lamar to kind of modernize it a little bit. But like it was I, I had a blast watching it. Um, maybe that means that now I am kind of getting old because the Super Bowl is trying starting to appeal to my sensibilities and my music tastes that way. But it was absolutely transporting me back in time to house parties and, you know, driving around with your buds and the bass turned way up and the speakers rattling and, you know, Dr. Dre's chronic and all those things that were, that were going on. Like that was just such, just so ingrained in our social experience that, and I thought they did a really good job with it. I thought the presentation, I thought the, the performances were good. Um, all of it. So it was very nostalgic for me. It was definitely, I would say, you know, one of my top two or three favorite shows um, that I can remember, maybe top two with Prince. Like, I mean, I just thought, uh, I, I just really, really enjoyed it. And uh, it was, it was speaking, they were speaking, it felt like right to me, a suburban white kid who um, just kind of jumped onto the to the hip hop train um, as it exploded in the mid to late nineties. And um, it was, it was fantastic. I tweeted yesterday as it was going on uh, that basically, Hey, if, uh, if, if you ever find yourself enjoying an NFL halftime show, it means you're old. And yeah. people thought, I, I, of course it's Twitter. So people wanted to read the worst intentions into that. I really wasn't insulting anybody. I was more pointing out that the NFL never really jumps on the train when it's in the station. They wait until it's way down the track. Exactly. And it's very safe. It was it was a shot at the NFL. It wasn't a shot at people who like this music or like that halftime show. I like the halftime show. Uh, and here's my thing. You know, again, I'm kind of a classic rock guy. Spring, Springsteen's my guy. I love Tom Petty. You know, all that's. But I don't put the Springsteen and the Petties and the Stones in the top five of all time uh, halftime shows because halftime shows a different animal. It's a different yes. vehicle. I love Springsteen because he knows how to put on a four hour rock concert that will leave you exhausted. He can't really do that in a 10 minute halftime. And that's mm -hmm. okay. Um, I think Prince was the greatest ever because Prince Prince's skills are so blatantly obvious and accessible. You, you listen to Prince play guitar for two minutes. You know, he's one of the greatest of all time. You listen to him sing he's one of the greatest of all time. He, he's probably the greatest dancer uh, other than maybe Michael Jackson since James Brown, you can and you put that you put that on for 15, 10, 15 minutes, and it's going to blow the roof off. That's what I thought yesterday was. It's not what I will come. I don't come home and listen to rap and hip hop mm -hmm. intentionally, but to me, it was a great show because it was a, a great encapsulation of that genre of that era, and it was a good show. Yeah, and and I think like the strength, it, it, it's a very hard thing to pull off a halftime show. It's really yeah. difficult to to connect with the audience, to, to play your music, to do everything that you want to do in that whatever 15 minutes that you get. Um, but one of the strengths of that era and those songs that we heard is that um, they are the, the, as much as the lyrics, as much as the, the bars that are actually being rapped are memorable and are, uh, you know, obviously ingrained in we and, and and we can recite them easily, but it's it's the beats, it's the it's the backing tracks that 
that immediately. So when you're doing, you know, kind of bouncing from song to song and you're doing little snippets of each song, all you need is like the first four notes of still DRE and it's ding, 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 ding. And then it's like that immediately just like perks you up and you're like, that's all I need. I know exactly where this is going. There was a very little brief moment between songs where Dre got on the piano and played just a couple of notes of a Tupac classic. Um, I am mad at you. Obviously we, we think Tupac is dead. I think we're, we're confident in saying that I thought he was going to reappear during the show, but, um, but like you can, you can sort of hearken back to that era and just with a few notes and just with a, just with a, like a, a, a 10 second interlude and and that really just kind of can really sit with the listener in a in a way and impact it in a way that you don't have to hear the whole chorus of Born to Run, you know. Um, and 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 so it's just different. Like, uh, and I think it really does sort of you know make it a little bit uh, easier to pull off in that kind of a setting. In that frantic, we're switching. We want to get all of these different songs in. And they're they're so distinct and those beats are so, um, you know, kind of synonymous with with the artist, even if they've been lifted from past songs from the 60s or 70s or 80s or wherever. They just they make them that. And so it's just like you're you're just like back at a college club and and listening to the DJ kind of mix and match all, all night long. And, and it's really uh, it's just so much fun. And I will say this too: If you were offended by that halftime show, I recommend I recommend never leaving the house ever again and destroying all of your devices. You yes. are not safe. It, the world is not safe for you. Uh, you know, I would put on a straight jacket and a blindfold and just hope for the best. No one there. I I, I sincerely believe this, Jim. No one was offended, and no one's going to stop watching the NFL because of it. They just say these things on Twitter to get a rise. Like, like, you know, I saw some, some conservative pundit tweeted out like, um, Oh, now that Odell Beckham is, is injured. uh, The Rams could use a real field stretcher. How about Tim Tebow? Like, like Mm. that's not, there's no possible way that that person believes that it's, I'm going to troll and I'm going to do this and I'm going to say all these things. And, and then he's going to move about with their day. It's just like it's 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 ridiculous. And that's the problem. It's, it's taking pride in being a racist. Yes, uh, you know, yes. It's just ridiculous. And by the way, uh, David O'Brien has always done a great job as a baseball writer. Cover the Braves for every works for your operation, the the Athletic. Uh, he had a great tweet about all this. He said, "Consider rock and roll emerged in the early '50s, a hybrid form influenced by R&B, gospel, jazz, and country. Hip hop started about 20 years later." In the early mid seventies, it's about fifty years old. It's statistically a more popular genre than rock. Yet this was the first all hip hop Super Bowl halftime. That that's just so on point. Yeah, yeah, and and like whatever you think of of hip hop, whatever you think of of rap, of any of this stuff, like it is the dominant art form of last twenty years at least. I mean that, that that's just the way that it is, and. You know, rock. I mean, you still have the very you still have Springsteen selling out stadiums. You have all these things, but like, but hip hop is the thing that has reached up and just grabbed 
everyone's attention and and has connected with youth much more. There has not been another wave of young rock superstars, like super duper stars. Um, And I hope that changes and I hope that evolves and I'm sure it eventually will. But this is this is the dominant form. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you that the NFL obviously really wants to appeal to the what, like, you know, 30 to 50, um, you know, audience of affluent or certainly middle class um, audience, which many of them are white. And I can guarantee that the vast majority of people in that age group from 30 years old to 50 who were watching that show were nodding their heads and being like, yep, this is my stuff. Like, this is what this is what I've been waiting for. And so we have just kind of, I'm 43. So we have kind of aged into the target audience for the Super Bowl halftime show. Um, and it just so happens that the music that we grew up with that is going to really resonate with us is hip hop because that's what was exploding at the time of our high school and our college days. And so that is, it's, it's a juggernaut. Um, it is, it is the, you know, the major, major art form um, of of our time. And and so people just got to acknowledge that and, and give it props. No doubt. All right, we're going to get a final thought on the Super Bowl or anything John wants to talk about, but I think we'll probably uh, veer back toward the actual play on the field. Once again, thank you to Aquarius Home Services, State Farm agent Tony Hoagland, and Star Bank. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. Did you have any other takeaways from the game? Were you entertained by it? I was entertained by it, but one one more thing on the yeah. on the halftime show. Yeah. Um, uh, there, the New York Post just posted a uh, a, a story. Uh, the headline: Snoop Dogg smokes weed right before star-studded Super Bowl twenty twenty two halftime show. <laughs> oh my! Oh my goodness! Are you kidding me? Like that's I never would have thought that. That's I think scandal. Um, I think well, you know. <laughs> We know how marijuana affects people. Maybe smoking the marijuana, uh, and that's how old white people say it, the marijuana, maybe smoking the marijuana like kept them from having all the sexual anarchy they should have had in that show. <laughs> that could be, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's just calm everyone. things right down. Yeah, yeah. They were eating Doritos instead of uh, – <laughs> Instead of making moves on the backup dancers. So, <laughs> um, for for the uh, for the game itself, I enjoyed the game. I didn't think it was like amazing, but it was a good, good game. Like it was tightly contested. There were some big plays. I liked how aggressive the Bengals were going down the field, the the halfback pass, like all of that stuff. Like they were throwing everything they could at the Rams and and tr- really trying to win the game. So that was really inspiring. Um, I just did think like Stafford down the stretch was tremendous. I mean, the, the, the kind of the clip going around on this Monday morning as we're recording this is, you know, the no look pass he made yep. to Cooper cup, which yep. is like, I mean, that, that was Mahomes like, you know, I, I, I don't think that people look at Stafford as that kind of a flashy player. Um, but I mean, that was that was an incredible, incredible throw. Then he found Cup in the end zone. Um, he made the plays, and you feel good for it. I was rooting for Joe Burrow. I wanted the Bengals to win, but I still absolutely feel great for Matthew Stafford, who toiled in Detroit forever and ever. And now it. Let's do this, Jim, to bring it home. It's very Garnett-like. 
because mm-hmm. Garnett spent 12 years in Minneapolis. They Ooh. had a little bit more success, playoff success and things, than Detroit did for Stafford. Stafford spent 12 years in Detroit. They go to another uh, organization, more talent around them, maybe be certainly you know better infrastructure and all those things, and they win titles. And so um, if you're happy for Garnett – you know, if you were happy for Garnett when he won in Boston, it's hard not to be happy for Matthew Stafford and winning with the Rams and playing exceedingly well in that game and in these playoffs to get that done. You know, that man, that idea is so good. Somebody might have to steal it. <laughs> Take, I'll, I'll read it in the Star Tribune in your column this week. We'll, there you go. Uh, we'll see. I'll, we'll negotiate. We'll see how that <laughs> works out. Uh, my two takeaways number one, if you're, if you have any interest in Dr. Dre and the rise of hip hop and, and rap and everything, I recommend the Defiant ones. Really interesting. Yeah, uh, awesome. Yeah, Such great, a great place. Great yeah. documentary. Uh, and Jimmy Iovine and, and Dr. Dre and their rise. Uh, it's fascinating stuff. The other one is don't let anybody ever tell you that you need a perfect offensive line to mm. win or that you can't get the ball to your receiver because he's doubled covered. Because guess what? Joe Burrow came within a minute of winning a Super Bowl with a mediocre offensive line. And Matthew Stafford got the ball to Cooper Cup all season, even though everybody knew he was going to throw the ball to Cooper Cup 10 to 15 times a game. There are ways. There are ways. Don't give the quarterback or the offensive coordinator the easy out of saying it can't happen. It can happen. It can absolutely happen. I mean, and and that's what I, I hope the Bengal fans, who clearly have been waiting forever and ever to – have a team to root for like this and to get into this moment. Like it's easy for me to say, but I I hope they're not too disappointed right now right? because they were right in this thing all the way down to the end. They darn near won it. And in this age of rings culture, when, you know, it doesn't matter you know, if you, if you lost, it's like, it's only how many championships you won. Like how I like, Bengals fans will be talking about this season and that game at, for the rest of their lives. Like, even if they never get back here, even this is, if this is a Dan Marino style situation where they just don't, just don't make it where I think they will. I, 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 you know, I think Joe Burrow and Chase and all those guys are too good to not have another chance, but um, this was remarkable. They, they did everything they, they could. And yes, they did not have the offensive line in front of Joe Burrow to complete the deal, but they were damn close to doing it. And now guess what? Because they have their guys, Burrow and Chase, locked up for several more years at affordable rates, they can go get offensive linemen now. Like this was always a process. And I don't know that anyone in Cincinnati expected to be in the Super Bowl in year two for Joe Burrow coming off the knee injury and everything, but they are. And now they they have the flexibility to go add in the draft or in free agency offensive linemen and then keep this thing going forward. Uh, But with a quarterback that talented, they find ways to get around the weaknesses and they damn near won the Super Bowl doing it that way. So absolutely, totally agree with you there. Good stuff from John. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. We will be back next week. Also, listen later this week to the Jeff Diamond Show. The former Vikings general manager will talk about uh, Kevin O'Connell's press conference and everything else going on in the NFL.